Hello, my friends. My name is Madge. This is the MadgeCast, and this is the podcast where we talk about how America got in this pickle and how we're going to get out of it. If this episode is a little noisy, I apologize. I'm coming at you from a hotel room in Vegas, and there's a lot of construction going on outside. On the plus side, my room looks out onto a vista, which does not include the Trump Hotel and Casino, so small mercies, I guess. Well, we had a pretty fucked up Bananagrams week last week, eh, America? Obama said goodbye, used like half the time to warn us about what's coming. And at the exact same moment, our incoming president faced yet another round of totally ridiculous and heinous charges about his actions and his character and the fact that he might be a Russian intelligence asset. Who fucking knows anything at this point? All I know is that I cried my eyes out after Obama's speech. I just felt so, so sad for all that we are about to lose in this country and so angry at the dumb fucks who put us in this position. Sadness and anger over the last few months, they just keep coming at me like waves, sometimes big ones, sometimes little ones, but pretty much constant. I reached out to my friends that night because I couldn't stop crying, and um, they helped calm me down, and it took a while, but eventually I was able to get to sleep. I just can't stop wondering, how the fuck did we get here? How did so many people vote against their own interests to install a tyrant in the presidency? I mean, so many people did this, millions of people. People who rely on disability payments in order to live, people who need Obamacare, people who live on Medicare and Social Security, or their grandparents and parents live on Medicare and Social Security, people who call themselves Christians And people who are happy to share and take care of others in their church, in their neighborhood, and their community, but somehow look on everyone else who needs help as a moocher. It doesn't make sense to me. And I know it doesn't make sense to a lot of us. First of all, because it's not logical, right? Like, why would you vote against your own needs like that? But I read a piece this week that discusses that point exactly in terms of cognitive science in terms of how human brains work. Um, And I wanted to talk about it with you. The piece is called A Minority President, Why the Polls Failed and What the Majority Can Do by um, a cognitive scientist at Berkeley named George Lakoff, who has been studying and writing about this stuff for a long time. Um, It's a long piece, and uh, it seems pretty important to me. Um, When he starts out, he starts by discussing the concept of worldview, which is something that we've talked about on the podcast before. I think episode three of Many Minds, I talked about mental maps of the world and how we navigate by them. Now, to me, I like this metaphor of a map, and there's a couple of reasons for that. First, because it sort of has built into it the idea and the truth that there is a difference between the map and the terrain it describes right? And the terrain is more important. The map can be changed more easily than the terrain. The second reason I like the metaphor is because maps can be marked up and switched around and updated over time. But Lakoff doesn't see it the same way, or at least he argues that most human beings don't see it the same way. 
his argument is that most people have a fixed worldview. Um, It's set up in childhood, and it's largely fixed over the course of their lives. And here's a quote about that. Um, Here is the crucial fact about worldview differences. We can only understand what our brain circuitry allows us to understand. If the facts don't fit the worldviews in our brains, the facts might not even be noticed, or they may be puzzling or ignored or rejected outright, or if threatening, attacked. All of these happen in politics. A global warming denier does not say, I am denying science. The facts just don't fit their worldview and don't make sense to him or her. Um, we've all seen this happening, right? Like you start talking with someone about politics, you realize they're on the other side from you, and then suddenly um, no one's talking to anyone anymore. You can bring out facts and figures on either side, and folks will just reject them because those facts and figures tell a story that's not compatible with the way that they see things. It kind of reminded me of Westworld um, on HBO, if you saw it, where the hosts or the robots couldn't react to information that didn't pertain to their context in the park. Like if they saw a picture picture of a person in Times Square, their brain would just gloss over it. They'd say something like, I don't see anything to be interested in here, or that doesn't make any sense to me, and they would just dismiss it. Um, And again, we see that all the time in real life, right? So Lakoff talks about this um, in the fact that depending on your worldview, um, you see situations in different ways and that you frame those situations in different ways. And how um, frames work is that even negating a frame is reinforcing it. So the example that he uses of this, because, you know, it's a little esoteric, but the example that he gives is like, if he says, don't think of a rampaging elephant, what's the first thing you think of? You're totally going to think of a rampaging elephant. Um, And it also reminded me of how when someone talks about being an atheist, they end up talking about God all the time. Or same thing with being a vegan. Uh, If you, you know, say, oh, I'm a vegan, then people want to talk about meat with you, right? So, um, most minority stances, they start out by defining themselves by their opposition to the majority. But in doing so, in referencing the majority frame as part of what you stand against in your brain, it has the same impact as reinforcing the majority frame. Don't think of an elephant. Oops, you just did. Love Trump's hate. Oops, I just said love Trump as part of my campaign against him. Lakoff says that this is a major area where Democrats often shit the bed, and I may be paraphrasing there. Um, We allow conservatives to frame the situation, and then we set ourselves up in opposition to that, which only activates the conservatives' frame and ultimately strengthens it. Um, Here's another quote from the story. The Clinton campaign consistently violated the lesson of don't think of an elephant. They kept running ads showing Trump forcefully expressing views that liberals found outrageous. Trump supporters liked him for forcefully forcefully saying things that liberals found outrageous. So they were ads paid for by the Clinton campaign that raised Trump's profile with his potential supporters. Mm, Yeah, so um, 
Meanwhile, he says also that conservatives understand this framing concept and they spend a lot more time and effort training their people on how to sell their conservative vision. Uh, They spend a lot more time and money on that than liberals do. Apparently, there was a conservative think tank that in their 20th anniversary um, boasted that they had trained over 159,000 local conservative spokespeople from all over America in 20 years. So this is what Lakoff says. Think of 159,000 trained conservative local leaders and spokespeople spread all over those red states on the 2016 presidential electoral map, in addition to Fox News and Rush Limbaugh. That is how white, working white men and women who might have started out as liberals or moderates years ago gradually become more conservative by hearing conservative language day after day. So um, he says that conservatives are acting like marketing and sales teams, and that's why they have success. And that kind of, I have to admit, that kind of bums me out, right? Like to think about human beings in, um, in a way that, you know, you don't think they're capable of communicating or, um, making decisions on the basis of reason. It kind of seems cynical to me to treat treat people like they're dummies who need to be sold ideas that are fundamentally good for them. But, um, you know, me not liking that doesn't make it not true. So he goes on to say that, um, In addition to, you know, sort of reinforcing the conservative frame, when we set ourselves up as, um, you know, the guys on the outside throwing pot shots at the conservative worldview, it also makes us look weak. And to folks who lean conservative, who perhaps follow a hierarchical religion based on having like an authoritarian father figure in the sky... Um, those folks tend to value big daddy hierarchical style strength over more broad-based equality and justice-minded values. And so that means they won't vote for us because big daddy is strong and powerful and libtards are weak and have their hands out. And who wants to vote with losers like that, right? So um, this is how Lakoff says Trump won by... uh, you know, a lot of us on the liberal side are like, oh my God, that guy's a moron. He's an idiot. Like he's not a moron or an idiot. He's not a politician. He's a salesperson and he knows how to exploit neural patterns. Um, He repeats words that people like to hear like win, winning, winning so much you're going to get sick of winning. He consciously frames people and things the way that he wants you to think about them. Right? So um, Hillary Clinton is not crooked. Like Conservatives have been trying to pin something on her for like 30 years now, and they haven't been able to because she's not that crooked. And yet, um, you know, half of the country is walking around now thinking that she is super corrupt and um, a sneak and a thief and a murderer and just a horrible person simply because Trump framed her in that crooked Hillary frame over and over again. Um, And then there's another piece to this, too, which plays into sort of the archetypes that people believe in. So when you're like um, big daddy oriented, um, like authoritarian, strong father figure oriented, as opposed to nurturing community style orientation. Um, Lakoff also says that, you know, in that metaphor, 
that acting against strict father morality is being immoral. And Hillary Clinton, everything she's ever done, she's a feminist, right? She's a woman. She does not uh, adhere to the strict father morality clause. And so that makes everything that she does immoral to strict conservatives, which is really interesting to sort of think about it on that archetypal level. Um, So anyway, Lakoff is advising that if liberals want to win more elections, we need to do the things that the conservatives have been already doing, which is to set the frame for ourselves, not just respond to the frame created by Republicans. And so many of us are, and um, I think also part of that is appealing to values that those folks already have, right? Like cl- clearly we're not going to be able to hold up Hillary Clinton and say, oh, she's going to hold up your big, strong daddy values. But with even within that conservative authoritarian father figure worldview, there is a sense that, um, you know, people should be taken care of in my town, in my church, in my community. And that's something that could be capitalized on, uh, especially once all of the promises that the Donald made don't come true. And in fact, his actions um, actively worsen the lives of the people who voted for him. So it's going to be, it's a little tricky, right? Because we can't get caught in the trap of talking about Trump all the time. That's just going to emphasize that he's the one that we're talking about. But when we do talk about him, there are specific words and concepts we can use that will have impact, which is to emphasize the fact that he is a loser, that he did not win the vote in this election, that he is a minority president, and then um, furthermore, that he is betraying trust. So, um, you know, the authoritarian father figure worldview, the father figure is strong um, and he is a winner and he is looking out for everyone. And um, if we can show that those things are not true, then that sort of starts to undermine that archetype. And at the same time, though, um, we need to put forward the vision of um, the positive things that we want to see and do as liberals. So um, if we can frame them in a way that capitalizes on the value of care for one's community then we can make contact with more conservative folks. So um, stay focused not on the outrageous antics of this administration, but on specific things that are being done to break trust with the voters, specific ways people are suffering, and specific ways liberal policies can help in specific communities. Um, so again, it's, it's a great article. You should go read it. Um, I will link to it in the show notes. And I have to admit, though, that I have mixed feelings about it. Like, I want to win elections. Sure, I want to win all the elections. Because to me, even the Obama rate of um, change, the pace of progress was too slow for me. Like, I wanted to go faster. But um, at the same time, it really bums me out to think about having to sell good ideas to the American people. Like, I really wish I lived in a world where people were more rational and less easily manipulated, and you could just tell folks the facts and that would do it. But we're not like that. 
Heck, if we were always rational actors, then advertisers wouldn't be spending like $200 billion on ads every year to manipulate us. So it probably makes sense for liberals to get better at articulating our values and the world we want to see without simply referencing and validating the conservative frame already in place. Um, This week... As well, the platform of the Women's March on Washington came out, and I think it's a good start in in this idea of articulating our values and the world we want to see in a positive way that doesn't just reference um, the way things are, but really brings to light the way things could be. It seems to me to be a really well-thought-out document, and after a rough start with the Women's March, um, they really seem to have embraced an intersectional point of view. So the items in the platform are not just stuff that, you know, middle-class white ladies like me care about. It's, uh, it's more broad-based, which I think is fantastic. It does look to me like about half the planks in the platform are stated in opposition to rollbacks and funding cuts and things like that. And so that underscores to me um, it's not easy to articulate a positive vision. Um, it's not easy to talk about what we want without simply um, sort of pulling against what is. And um, we're going to have to work on that. I'm going to keep thinking about it, and I hope you will too. Um, so yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about this week. Um, this week is definitely not going to be boring. And I'm just waiting to see um, how it all shakes out. And I'm wondering um, are, if any of you guys are going to any of the marches next weekend, either in D.C. or in your town. If you do go, I would love to hear about them. Uh, I would love to hear about the other um, activist movements that you might have been involved in. So you can email me at belesscrazy at gmail.com. You can comment on my blog at belesscrazy.com. And if you're digging my podcast, I wonder, could you please leave me a review on iTunes? Maybe tell your friends about it. Um, I would like to spread the word and um, I would really appreciate your help with it. So um, thanks again for listening. When I talk to you next weekend, it will be a new world. And I hope we can make our voices heard in it. Till then. Stay strong.